0: Hi, welcome back to PCI Pal's podcast channel, Secure Payments. My name is Geoff Forsyth, and I'm joined today by Len Power, Channel Account Manager at Australian-based Cloud Data and Voice Service Providers, Comms Channel. Thanks for joining me, Len.
1: Thanks, Geoff, for having me. Pleased to be here. Let's
0: get started then. So uh, hackers work around the clock to steal data for profit, and these opportunistic cybercriminals are further capitalizing on remote workstation situations. Australian consumers are rightfully holding businesses accountable for lax data security practices. Today, we will discuss the state of payment security within Australian contact centres and what businesses can do in order to meet the highest compliance and security standards to build and maintain customer trust. Len, what pain points are you hearing from your customers and prospects when it comes to data security?
1: Well, Jeff, we hear a range of concerns from having no PCI protection, so where there is exposure to private card data lying in storage and possibly open to breach, and that presents a liability for the contact centre owner, to the cases where PCI payment solutions are used, where the agent and caller lose contact during the payment episode. So that creates a risk of loss of the completion of the transaction or the sale. There is definite interest in simple secure payments process for compliance and a better experience. But the biggest concern that we've witnessed recently and one that businesses ask us about frequently is how can payment processes be done securely while agents agents are working from home? As we know, home working has grown rapidly and as a result of the pandemic, I think that there's about 55% Australian contact centers are now working remotely or have part of their workforce working remotely and that's up from two, 29% in 2019. So many of our customers are unsure how to secure their payment process remotely. That's the biggest concern.
0: So my advice to these organizations would be to firstly they need to map out how sensitive data, particularly card data, how it flows through their company or organization. Maybe you have a website with an online shopping component or a call center that takes payments over the phone or your accounts department take payment details by email or post. But you need to map all those out. Secondly, you then work out exactly where the sensitive data uh, in those flows is stored and what equipment it passes through um, between um, nodes. Uh, And then thirdly, the companies should then evaluate the additional risks associated with processing payment data. Uh, in in unsecured locations and implement controls accordingly. Many businesses use point-of-sale terminals to take payments, and it's not practical to give each remote worker their own PIN pad and ask them to enter card data at home. So alternative methods to that are online virtual payment screens. But again, the remote worker is having to ask for the credit card information and enter it manually into a web form. So Mm -hmm. the PCI Standard Security Council, they published guidance back in 2018, Uh, on protecting telephone-based payments. And this informational supplement uh, does make recommendations on securing card data for remote uh, and home workers. It does this by asking organizations to update policies and processes that apply to remote workers. For example, they say policies should clearly prohibit any unauthorized copying, moving, sharing, or storing of payment card data. And that remote staff need to be aware of their physical surroundings taking care to prevent sensitive information from being viewed by unauthorised persons. And it's important to ensure that staff update themselves
1: regularly on the latest policies. And so it seems that home workers, just by virtue of the fact that they are working remotely, are in a riskier situation or setting for themselves and the cardholder. So this really brings home the importance of constant training reminders and a greater self-awareness about privacy and security as their environment will be very different from being in the office. It probably does not do the situation's justice, but should all staff receive security awareness training that emphasises the importance of data security as a minimum? And that's a key question. Uh, A simple measure like a password policy now, this is a primary example of how that should be implemented. So uh, simply, you know, never share passwords. Educate staff on the importance of keeping passwords safe. Use a password manager so that it can manage the numerous passwords that we collect or have the passwords hidden by the system. Staff just need to know one password to this password manager and then it manages a multitude of of the part of passwords and sins that they have to cover, home workers should not write down credit card or email around them, uh, or leave emails around them. Written down card data is is generally not securely shredded after it's used. Home workers should not repeat credit cards out loud. You know we've we've all heard that when somebody's working at home and has read a, a credit card number out back to the caller. Um, and home workers should not be recording their calls where they do have card data that's being um, conveyed. So that's a simple policy, you know, that, and that's how it can uh, it, it can work better at home.
0: So, yeah, that's all really good advice. Um, and so, finally, uh, um, we need to talk about phishing. Um, remote workers, they're not able to talk face-to-face, so additional checks uh, need to be carried out to verify the identity of uh, users calling in, say, for, for IT support, for example. So all staff should be trained to be aware of potential phishing calls. Um, IT support teams um, that get calls from users asking for password resets, etc., they should be prepared to identify um, rogue callers from people claiming to be you know, valid remote users. And just to mm. flip that round, mm. remote staff should know how to confirm that a person who calls them claiming to be from another part of the company uh, is legitimate. So while security breaches are not new, um, Australian consumers' attitudes seem to be changing significantly. The vast majority of Australians are now reporting that trust in security practices uh, not just influence where they shop, but also how they shop and how much they spend.
1: I think Australia is heading in the right direction. Uh, There has been recent data security privacy protections put in place. Um, The Consumer Data Right Act is a very good start, but there's more to be done. So significant data breaches seem to occur on a weekly basis. So organisations must prioritise security and maintain systems to secure customers' data from this ever-increasing threat of attack. And you can see why customers are so worried if they are a customer of a company that has fallen victim to a data breach it can affect their credit score as much as it can if they had missed payments so that's a big deal yeah quite right um
0: well um here are some some stats um from recent research that pci pal carried out in australia to gauge sentiment when it comes to data security Mm -hmm. and how this affects how much customers spend with a business with poor data security practices So they really summarise growing concern amongst Australian customers. So the research found that 74% of people said that they will change their spending habits based on their trust in a brand's security, and 43% will never return to a business post a breach. Only 6% of Australian consumers surveyed reported feeling that there is no issues with data security practices. 49% of consumers feel troubled when reading their credit card info over the phone. I'm certainly one of those. Uh, 43% of sales revenue could be lost permanently as consumers lose trust in companies. So all this represents huge losses for a business's bottom line, as well as the fines and legal fees associated with a data breach.
1: Yes, yes, I agree. I think the main issue for a lot of businesses is where they should begin. It can seem overwhelming, And that is what we hear most. Where do we start? And how these businesses can maintain good security practices without spending large sums on consulting to do so. Yeah,
0: rather than trying to uh, mitigate damages following a data breach, it is best to prepare and implement preventative measures instead, of course. Uh, A simple way would be to make sure that there is not any sensitive information in the company networks to steal. Um, So this is uh, de-scoping, and de-scoping contact centers and their infrastructure is one of the main requirements that can be done uh, to meet PCI DSS. So in short, Payment Card Industry Data Security Standard, PCI DSS, is its information security standard for organizations that process uh, card payments to ensure the protection of this data. Becoming fully compliant with PCI DSS means dropping the use of things like compensating controls. Mm. These, are, uh, these simply mean workarounds introduced to give organizations an alternative to security requirements that could not be met due to legitimate technological or business constraints. Yes. Research conducted by Verizon uh, found that um, uh, organizations subject to a security breach were more likely to be using compensating controls. So in the short term, compensating controls such as pause and resume, they sort of act as, as a bandage. Practically speaking, they are not good long-term solutions for businesses. Relying on the same controls will not prevent fraud or breaches, um, thus risking business revenue. Being fully compliant with PCI DSS takes away the bandage and fixes the problem permanently, becoming vital for the survival of businesses, both in terms of reputation and finance. The best example that comes to mind is the storage of data in systems. Rather than investing time and money in protecting data from would-be hackers, simply make sure there's nothing there to steal by using technology that descopes an environment requirements of PCI DSS. The less consumer data stored, Mm. the less Mm. risk there is of that data being stolen. Yes. Mm. Yeah, Uh, so on the subject of PCI DSS compliance, so the regulations are getting uh, an update. Um, PCI DSS version four, has the current timeline of release for the first quarter of
1: 2022. So, so what is new in version 4?
0: Well, um, good question. Well, the big changes are that testing now has to be a continuous process, not just taking a snapshot once a year at annual audit time. The standard advises assessors to select samples over a period of time. Additionally, as we mentioned above, compensating controls for a long time. Uh, troubling aspect of PCI compliance have gone. Instead, um, the standard moves to an intent approach where the assessor can look at what the PCI rules are trying to achieve and then judge if the organization has systems in place to meet that intent. Mm -hmm. So firstly, it allows the assessor to be subjective and organizations can work with their QSA uh, to come up with customized approaches if needed to meet some requirements. This is likely to make audits a longer process and therefore, more expensive, mm. Mm. which is always the way, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, on the, uh, the more technical side, the standard has been generally updated to embrace cloud technologies. So, words like firewall and router have gone, and instead, we have network security controls. Also, terms such as antivirus have become anti malware. Mm-hmm. Um, password manag- management has changed based on the latest NIST recommendations. <coughs> so, excuse me, passwords must be. Um, longer so a minimum length of 12 characters now okay Uh, and whilst they can still contain special characters it's no longer a requirement to use them the only requirement is a mixture of numbers and letters okay so we're moving uh, to the easy to remember hard to guess sort of approach for passwords Um, multi-factor authentication becomes mandatory on accounts with access to card data environment and as statistics show uh, 70 percent of breaches start with a phishing attack so the requirement to train all staff to recognize social engineering attacks has also been added. Okay. So all in all, it's a greatly um, uh, improved document, I think then. Okay. Yeah. Um, So we're sort of coming to the end of today's episode. Um, Are there any final thoughts you would like to share?
1: Yeah, for me, the keys from this discussion have been that Australians are becoming much more familiar with security breaches and they expect more stringent controls from their payment experiences. A contact centre today using highly sophisticated software is also expected to provide a secure environment without the user experience suffering. The payment security standards are also moving with the time. Australian contact centres need to be compliant and are seeking cloud delivery for their payment systems. And they are also seeking uh, a very flexible architecture that can cope with a range of non-standard payment requirements.
0: Wonderful. Um, Len, thank you for joining me.
1: Thanks to you, Jeff. Really good. Okay.
0: Uh, thanks. And thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, Securing Payments in 2021 Australia. For more information on how Coms Channel and PCI Pal have partnered to provide Australian organisations with secure cloud solutions, head on to Please remember to like and subscribe to our podcast channel. And for more material on data security and PCI compliance, check out our Knowledge Center at PCIpal.com.